Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. There's no team in the league that couldn't use Harrison Barnes. Now, you know, his role might be a little different, but but he's that good. So... So to me, it's like, yeah, you, you know, if you're going to trade him, you, you, you better get a really good player or a pick that you're confident can do something for you. And, and, that, and that's always a risk. I mean, always the contract stuff comes up and it's part of it. But I always say, you, you know, once you start the game, the, the contracts don't play. The players play. Today's podcast is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. Need a home loan? Looking to do a refi? Just go to roysumbrella.com. No tricks, no gimmicks, no hidden or extra charges at the end. I've worked with Roy for a number of years. He's awesome. You're going to love his staff. And again, when it comes to your home loan needs, just go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. Well, back uh, in October, I had the one and only Jerry Reynolds on my podcast, and he was so damn good. I thought, you know what? I need to get him back on. Of course, uh, former general manager, coach, uh, my uh, broadcast analyst for a number of years, multi, multi Emmy Award winner, <laughs> and that would be the retired Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, how are you? Well, I'm pretty good, I, and I'm thankful for those uh, getting those Emmys because of you. <laughs> so, but, no. but I'm keeping them. I'm going to be like Kramer. I'm keeping them. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, they look good, don't they? I mean, you know. Well, they do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they do. Too bad they're not. Too bad they're not real gold, though. Then we'd really be on to something. Well, if they're real gold, yeah, I wouldn't have them here. I'd have melted <laughs> them down. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been having a lot of fun doing these podcasts, Jerry. I, I hope you've been able to listen, and uh, I've been doing my rants. And so, uh, you know, we're, we've been having a lot of fun since you've been on. Oh, I, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm a kind of a regular uh, uh, tuner in because I, I think I've listened about seventy five percent of your podcast and probably 90 percent of your rants i i you know sometimes get behind a little bit that's but, okay uh, yeah really i've told you my son and i we we're regulars on the rants uh, <laughs> we, right we kind of kind of i mean you're right on i mean i i have to say i maybe it's, maybe it's just me but but i think it'd be hard to disagree with anything you've you've said on those things I feel like after listening to some of them, I feel like having a rants myself. Well, hey, you know what? You Maybe I'll just have you uh, start doing the rants with me. You know, you might even uh, elevate your uh, notoriety around town if you do. Uh, you know, we could do the Grant and Jerry rants once or twice a week. That could be a big hit. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, I think I don't think you need any help. I think you I think you got to go on. Oh man, hey, I had Joe Klein on the podcast last week, and uh, we were uh, going over the story when uh, he and his wife were uh, in the delivery room, their firstborn, and the nurse walked in, and Jerry, uh, Joe said, "You know, the one thing you don't want to hear moments before your your first baby's being born is, uh, excuse me, Joe, uh, Jerry Reynolds is on the phone for you." <laughs> I still go back to you having to make that trade and calling. Joe in the delivery room. That, oh, that could not have been uh, easy for you. Oh, it's terrible. You know, and, 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 you know, Bill Russell was the general manager. He made the trade, right? but he wouldn't, he told me to call Joe. <laughs> he, he wouldn't do it. Wow. <laughs> and I didn't, of course, I didn't know Joe was, you know, the situation Joe was in, or I, I wouldn't have made it that at that exact time either. Sure. Uh, you know, so, but yeah, that was one of those that, uh, yeah, you look back on and, and really, pretty uh pretty much ashamed of it but like i say i didn't really know the situation and i was an employee and and like i say that's one of those things as you know i was the general manager myself for a period you know basically that's your job to make that call well one trade one trade you did make and it ended up being one of the great trades in the history of the franchise was Billy Owens for Mitch Richmond. But when the deal was made, and correct me if I'm wrong, particularly in the Bay Area, you got ripped for that, didn't you? Oh, yeah. It's am- it is amazing to me how many of the, you know, the Bay Area writers and all just like somehow or another getting Billy Owens was a steal of the century. And, you know, and to me, especially since they'd had Mitch for a couple of years, you know, rookie of the year and then even better his second year, I, I was really surprised by that. And the criticism was it was especially interesting after I know that uh, just almost right after the trade and all the criticism coming from the Bay Area people, and they were trying to get Michael Jordan, who with the Bulls, he was in town to play the Warriors and get his opinion on it. And he basically said, oh, my God, that's a steal for the Kings. No <laughs> doubt they got the best. And, right. you know, they didn't know what. Then they had to criticize Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, how did that deal come about? What was it about, you know, Mitch Richmond and your desire? Obviously, you know, we knew early on in his NBA career that, that he was good. But take me back through the thought process and how that all went down. It's one of those deals, to, for, for me at least, I, I know Don Nelson had, had thrown out the fact that they'd like to get, you know, the third pick to get the rights to uh, Billy Owen. They felt they needed to get bigger. And I said, sure, uh, if, if you'll trade, you know, Hardaway or, or Richmond. <laughs> and and initially, you know, that wasn't what he wanted to do, but but he eventually came around to that. And, and of course, I'd always been infatuated with, with Mitch because I knew he was a star. I mean, I was a rookie of the year, and then, and it kind of goes back to to when I was coaching because we played Mitch, I think it was his second year. I remember him getting 44 on us and Danny Ainge trying to guard him, and Danny said, man, this guy, <laughs> I can't guard him. I'm not sure who can. Right. And, and, and you know, it was a case where uh, at that time with the Kings, we just didn't have a star. You know, and as you know, in the NBA, it's a star league, and you're not going to have much attention or have a chance to win unless you have an elite-type player. And, and of course, uh, we felt – I mean, I felt that, well, Mitch was for sure that. It wasn't any disrespect toward Billy Owens because I didn't know, you know, but I knew that, 
you know, to my mind, it was a, it was no risk on our end because we knew Mitch was a star. We didn't know if Billy could be one or not for sure. Just like the draft every year, you got all these guys that are sure things until they're not. Sure. You know, you talked about an elite player. That's the biggest problem with the Kings, isn't it, Jerry? They don't have an elite player. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox is good, maybe very good, and maybe someday he'll be that elite player, but he's not quite there yet. Do you see that as the biggest issue with the Kings and why they're not able to win more than half their games year in, year out? Well, yeah, that's a big part of it, no question. And I and I do think De'Aaron can be an elite player, but I, I think, honestly, you to win, you really need at least two. And... uh and, and maybe Halliburton can be, you know, be in that category someday. I, I'm not sure about that. But, but I mean, you, you to win, as you know, in the NBA, uh, when you look at teams that win consistently, they have at least two kind of two all-star level players, if not all-stars. And of, of course, right now the Kings don't have any, and and that you're just not going to you're just not going to win. I mean, it is a star league, whether it's, you know, it's even teams like, you know, the jazz. I mean, they don't have, you know, when you got Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, that's a pretty good place to start proving sure. all-star guys. And, and that's, I think that's where the Kings have got to get. I, I think, I do think in fairness to Fox, he's made consistent in, improvement each year and I think he's got a couple of steps to make but but even with that said you know somebody else has got to move up quickly whether it's Bagley or Halliburton or or Buddy Heald getting getting back on track which he's uh, been a long way from the star this year. You mentioned Marvin Bagley I've done several rants on family members his dad and then over the weekend, uh, his uncle uh, Reggie, during a De'Aaron Fox press conference, uh, put out on social media, dumbass, pass the ball. This is not good. I also, on my rant yesterday, I said, you know, enough. Marvin just turned 22. It's time to be a man and step up and run the show. It's his career. It's not anyone else's career. I'm just wondering, from a front office perspective or a coach perspective, you've been in both. How do you handle uh, something like that? Because it's just getting awful. Uh, It's hard for me to believe that family members would be putting that type of stuff out on social media. It really is. It's very disappointing, and and, and there's no positives can come from it. And I think there's two two things come to mind. I mean, from the front office standpoint, I I think they really need to have a come-to-Jesus meeting, you know, with the family. Because it's not benefiting Marvin in any way, and and from the coach's perspective, and obviously I think Luke Walton has a good relate, pretty good relationship with Marvin, but he really needs to address this, and and hopefully maybe to get Marvin himself to address it, since it is, as you pointed out, it's his career, and he is an adult, and at some point it's it's a little bit like I think the Lonzo and Lamelo Ball, and sure. some of those, it, the, to some degree, it took them. Maybe too long, but but it seems like they've got their careers headed the right direction, and you know, and and basically, you know, their father's you know still a sideshow, but that's what he is—a sideshow—and they've take, taken re- a little more responsibility for themselves, which of course is what has to happen at some point. You know, I always say in the NBA, it can't be the agents dictating a player's career or parents. At some point the player has to take take charge of his own and i mean you see that with you know whether it's the lebron jameses or or anthony davis or chris paul or those kind of caliber players they, they they've done that 
Jerry, Marvin Bagley on the floor this year for the first time in his young career, this is third year, has remained healthy. How do you evaluate his game right now? Well, he's better. He's gotten better. You know, there's no doubt that a couple things come to mind for me. At rebounds per minute, he's pretty good. And his ability to score has is, is gotten a little more effective. Now, he still, I think, really has to get better defensively. I mean, I think he's trying harder. He just isn't a very good defender. And he has to get better and stronger. And, and I think become a, a really more of a a key part of an offense, not just to score, but to be, you know, assist, draw double teams, uh, be a ball mover more. So there's a ways to go. But the fact that, in my mind, he has made progress. And and now then the question becomes, how much better do you think he can get? And will that be good enough? And I, I think those things are still yet to be answered. Not to say that it's already been answered that he's an NBA player. It's just a matter of what level of NBA player and how much do you want to pay for that player? Sure. You know, those things have yet to be answered. I get asked this a lot, uh, the word bust, and I go, now, hell no, he's not a bust. I don't know why people oh. look at Marvin Bagley. To me, if you want to look at a bust, Thomas Robinson was a bust. Okay, Marvin Bagley is, is way, way, way above a bust. I don't understand how fans can look at a player like Marvin. I just think it's because they compare him to Luka Doncic, which is not fair. Uh, are, do you think Marvin has the ability – could, well, I'll ask you, because you said it was, it's difficult to forecast. He just turned 22 uh, the other day. Could he be an all-star, or is that, is that a little unrealistic in your opinion? I think he could be. I mean, really, it's just too early to say he can't. Uh, I mean, I, I, I certainly don't believe he's any level of bust. I mean, he's, he's already done more than proven that. I mean, like, say, Thomas Robinson or... Nick Stauskas guys sure. from the Kings past. I Jimmer mean, Fredette. you know, we're but right. Jimmer Fredette. We're 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 busts uh, for where they were picked. That, that's fact. No, this uh, no Marvin's not anywhere near that. I mean, whether whether he can be, you know, an all star, I I'd have to say I'd have to see a lot more. Uh, can he be a productive power forward in the NBA? Yes, I think he can be. Can he be a top ten at that position? Well, he's got a ways to go. So, but I think you're right. I, I think it, it, it too much is, is kind of based on the Luka Doncic thing. Well, you know, I mean, you could say that, um, uh, you know, Darren uh, Aiden has, is a terrific player, but on that basis, uh, he's a major disappointment. Sure. And yet for the, for the Phoenix Suns, it's, it's worked out well because they have the other positions pretty pretty solid. You know, I, I just think it you know, I, I just think for the most part some of the vitriol toward Marvin is, is overdone and I think he could he himself could do a lot about about solving some of that by by making some statements, you know, maybe maybe a little different than what his what his family has made. The player on the Kings that really puzzles me more than anyone is Buddy Heel, Jerry. Uh, yeah, me too. You know, I've been a Buddy fan right along, and this year's been very disappointing. You know, I mean, he, he just hasn't made the progress this year that we'd seen. You know, it'd been a pretty steady path. I mean, obviously, he's got a lot of three-point records and on the verge of more, that sort of thing. But but his overall play is has not been as good. And I, I just think it's been a case of, 
a buddy settling for tough shots too much. I mean, not not to say the other areas of his game have hasn't. You know, he struggled in as well. You know, his ball handling. Uh, he he can do more with the ball. Sometimes uh, he tries to do too much. But overall, I mean, he's a shooter, and and I think if, if you know, buddy, he just has such a desire to take the three point shot that he'll take three or four really difficult three-point shots a game that probably shouldn't be taken as opposed to maybe escape dribble and take an easy two or move the ball. And I think just offensively, a lot of his problems could be solved. You know, I mean, he just go from a, a, his shooting percentages would go up and his game would get easier for him. But right now he just seems married to the three-pointer to a fault. Jerry, uh, with the trade deadline approaching, and you've been on both sides of this, both as a coach and a general manager, and, you know, fans think that you can just trade anybody and you're going to get great players back in return. But, you know, we hear Buddy Heald, we hear Harrison Barnes, but, you know, to to trade a Buddy Heald, um, you know, you're not going to get back, (laughs) you're not going to get back a proven all-star. You're going to get back a player that is in a similar situation with that other team. How, how, How did you evaluate making deals and were you ever uh, like, gee, I don't want to make a deal with that particular GM because he's always coming out on top and he always seems to pull the wool over other people's eyes. How did you strategize when you made a deal? Did, did it bother or were you ever concerned about who you were making the deal with, what general manager you were dealing with? Not really, uh, because at some point you have to do to me, it, it comes down to, will this deal make us better either right away or for sure long term? And I mean, you can never be 100 percent sure, but I, I think you have to look at it that way. And I mean, and that was kind of the thing with Nelly. Everybody said, well, you can't win a deal with Nelly. Well, we did. Sure. Uh, in that one case. So so you can't. I mean, or here's things you can't deal with Danny Ainge. Well, well, maybe you you can't get what you want, but uh, then you don't make the deal. That's all. Sure. I mean, it's like anything, just like kind of buying a house. If you've got a price in mind that you think is fair, then then you buy it. Uh, otherwise, you don't. And and I, that's kind of the approach I've always thought. I mean, to me, it's like, well, uh, is this one guy – you know, better than the one guy we're giving up or what we're going to get back in return in the package will, will make us better. Then, then I think you have to think about that. I I mean, I'm not one of those that, you know, like offhand with a Harrison Barnes. I'm not saying you, to me, everybody's tradable. So, so you know, I mean, Oscar Robertson and Jabbar were traded better than anybody on the Kings. Sure. So everybody's tradable if you get get the right deal. But I, I would never trade a guy because he's 28 years old. And I hear that a little bit. It's like, well, if you want to trade Harrison, trade him because you think you can improve your team either currently or in the long term or, or short term. I mean, you want to get better some way out of the deal. But this, to trade a guy 28, it's like, well, no, he's – He's probably got his three best years ahead, you know, and, and boy, anybody's looking more than three or four years ahead in the NBA, it's hard to predict due to injuries and, and just like what we, what the, the league has went through with the pandemic. So, so to me, yeah, look, look at it to how, if it benefits you, then do it. You know, I always remember a trade I made years ago. It wasn't a huge trade, but it was, I know a lot of people didn't understand it. I traded a young player who we had drafted with the 14th pick named Travis Mays. Mm-hmm. And he had had a pretty good rookie year. But the problem was 
in my mind, and, and it was pretty clear, at least in my mind, was that he wasn't really a point guard. He was six foot two, very small shooting guard, and and in my mind, wasn't really that quite that good. And and we needed to get a point guard, and we traded him for Spud Webb. And a lot of people didn't understand that. And of course, Spud had you know five really good years with us. Sure. And 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 Mays was out of the league in a couple of years. And 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 that's kind of the way I saw it. it. It it didn't look like a good trade because if one guy was older, and 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 people assumed that the young guy was going to get better and better. And I would say you can't assume that. Some some guys don't get a lot better. And and once you decide that, you better make a move. And you know another one like we talked about years ago that the fans didn't understand. Like with Thomas Robinson, Jeff Petrie making the move to trade Thomas for Patrick Patterson pretty quickly. Well, that was a smart thing to do because Patrick Patterson's not a great player, but he's better than Thomas Robinson. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's enough to have made the mistake, but it, why compound it by keeping them around once you know they're not good enough? You know, you bring up Harrison Barnes. Uh, Harrison Barnes is just a very good player. He doesn't do any one thing great, but he does everything well. And I think he'd be a great fit on a really good team. But with that said, and I remember something you've always said, and you put it in very simplistic terms, you don't get better by trading good players. All right? I mean, you already know what you have in Harrison Barnes. So if you trade him... You know, you better get a, a pretty good player or you better get and, – and you always talk about draft picks. Well, who the hell knows what a draft pick's going to turn out to be? I, I don't understand how why so many people are down on Harrison Barnes. I don't either. I mean, he's been – he's a terrific player. He's he's proven to be a really good player. He's played on the championship team, the Olympic team. Yep. I mean, he's, he's a – yeah, there's no team in the league that couldn't use Harrison Barnes. Now, you know, his role might be a little different. But but he's that good. So so to me, it's like, yeah, you, you know, if you're going to trade him, you, you, you better get a really good player or a pick that you're confident can do something for you. And, and that and that's always a risk. You say that they, I always kind of remind people a little bit. They'll say, boy, if we could trade Harrison Barnes for a middle or range uh, first round pick. I said, yeah, that's really something. I said, he was the seventh pick when he came out <laughs> in a good draft. Right. <laughs> and it's proven to be very good. I mean, <laughs> you, uh, so that's the, that's the danger of it, you know? And I mean, it, you know, people, I mean, always the contract stuff comes up and it's part of it, but I always say, you, you know, once you start the game, the, the contracts don't play, the players play. And so, you know, you you need you need to have good players at every position. So, you know, if you could trade uh, Harrison Barnes for Anthony Davis, yeah, I'd do that. Sure, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's deals you there's deals you can make, but say, boy, if you could get a late first round, a couple of seconds, and some young guy that doesn't play, you know, somebody said Romeo Langford for Boston. I said I don't think Romeo Langford can play. Period. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't know what that does for you. Yeah, and you're an expert on guys that uh, are NBA players that can't play. <laughs> you know all about yes. those players, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once you got them, you got them. Uh, <laughs> well, I always say too, you know, as, as fans, and I'm a fan, is that we spend too much time worrying about the guys at the bottom of the roster. You know, Great will point. this guy play this young guy? Get him some developing. Blah blah blah. It's like, you know the 
the top of your roster is what wins. That's right. And, if you, and just like you talked about earlier, if, if you don't have some stars at the top, you can. Ex- those are all just deck chairs on the Titanic. You can just rearrange them any way you want every year. Uh, if you got LeBron and Anthony Davis, sure. you can just flip flop the other ten spots every year. It doesn't matter. Big. That's right. Doesn't yep. matter. Yep. That's exact. Well, that's why LeBron's been to ten straight NBA Finals. I mean, it's a. <laughs> Right. Sure is. You know. <laughs> you know, Jerry, um, when you talk about the players a couple of moments ago, you mentioned Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I'm looking at what the Jazz are doing, and they're getting very little respect around the league. And that's fine. And I don't think they really care. I think Quinn Snyder's doing a marvelous job. I really like the makeup of that team. Do you think they're built to win in the playoffs? I think they're good enough. I do. I mean, because they're so good. They're good defensively at a time when not many teams are. I wouldn't say they're any more of a favorite than the, you know, than the Lakers per se, just because of the two guys sure. we mentioned that they're healthy and and I mean the Clippers we know are still still capable, but but they're they're good enough to be a. There's five or six teams that are good enough to win a championship, and they're one of them. And and I always think it's interesting too. Typical of Utah, you know how they built a, a 20-year dynasty with the 13th and 14th picks, uh, that being Stockton and Malone. And now with the Gobert, a 27th pick, and I think Donovan Mitchell was a 13th pick. You know, so, you know, it's the old, you you got to have a top three or four pick. Well, uh, clearly you don't. Uh, I mean, you you have to be very fortunate and very smart sure. to, to do it that way. But, you know, I mean, but they, they have. And, and you know, they, they, they've just been one of those small market franchises when you look at it, uh, the last 40 years, uh, their, their period of being down is very short. You know, they've had, had a great run, then they're, they're down, then they're back uh, very quickly. Indiana, for the most part, has been like that. Of course, San Antonio's uh, another. So there, there are, there's ways to do it if you're a small market, and Utah's a great example. A couple of weeks ago, you and I were talking on the phone and you you were complimenting James Harden and how well he's fit in with Brooklyn. And you said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that you're seeing a a James Harden that you really haven't seen before and and how well he's fit in playing with Durant, who obviously is now hurt and will be out for another week or two at least, and Irving. But they also pick up Blake Griffin. I don't know about Blake. I mean, with him, it all comes down to health. But if, if Griffin can remain relatively healthy. What do you think he adds to that team? Well, that's a great question. I mean, his last couple of years, he just hasn't been a very good basketball player. But I do think, you know, they I can see where they could use him even kind of like he was playing. He has to play a little better. But as a backup center and a high, you know, where he could be a high post center because he is a good passer. And he got so he can spot shoot. He just, you know, and defensively, he, he can – has the ability to not guard centers like he was not guarding forwards. So that wouldn't change much. But I think he can help them, you know, as long as they understand that, you know, and fans understand that it's not Blake Griffin anymore. That That's what used to be Blake Griffin. Uh, yep. But as a backup 15, 18-minute guy or 20-minute guy with a, you know, and, and he, he's very different than, than DeAndre Jordan, who's strictly a low-post guy, that could make them – you know, even more creative offensively, especially when Durant comes back. And I think it's been interesting to me how good they've been without Durant. Right. You know, they're nine and one in the last ten games right. without Durant. 
And I and I do, you know. I I told you some weeks ago. I said I I couldn't believe it. I've never been a, a hardened fan, but I I am now. I mean, the guy has been. I honestly think I'd put him as MVP. Wow. I mean, I, he you know he's he's the guy that makes that happen. I mean, as as great offensively as Kyrie is, but he's allowed Kyrie to be the offensive weapon, and and he still gets his points and and just directs the team. Well, I mean, they're a legitimate championship contender. Even without Durant, <laughs> I think, and and I think when they get Durant back, not only will it make them better offensively, but even better defensively because uh, Durant can guard couple, and will guard. A couple of things with Durant, and again, when you see players that come off Achilles, they very often develop other injuries, and in this case, Durant with the hamstring, and he's been out quite a while. So to me, uh, you know, I would I'd always be concerned about Durant when you get going into the postseason about coming up with another injury. That's number one. Number two. When you have a player like a Harden, Irving, and Durant, and Durant has now missed a considerable amount of time, do you kind of make the analogy it's kind of like getting right back on the bike? It's not going to be a big deal for these guys to pick up, or do you think it's going to take a while to learn how to play with Durant again if you're James Harden? I kind of think it'll take a little while. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I think it'll work because I think Durant, besides being great, is a great teammate. I mean, I, I think you. He'll make adjustments to his game as well as, you know, and I think Harden and, and Kyrie have already kind of established they, they can. So I, I think it'll work, but to think it, that when he does come back, it'll all just be uh, free-flowing because uh, the team is free-flowing now. And I, I think the you know, the Joe Harris's and, and some of those guys will have to actually adjust a little bit, you know, very good players. And so, yeah, it, it might take a little while, but if, if, and that's a big, if sure. you hit it, I mean, if Durant stays healthy, I, I really do think they're, they're the team to beat in the East. And if they're not the team to beat Philadelphia, and again, now with Embiid out, but it's only supposed to be a, a short period of time. Do you look at them as the, the biggest challenge to Brooklyn? I think they are. I think they are. I think Doc Rivers has done a nice job there. And, you know, Simmons and Embiid, you got two top guys, Tobias Harris. You know, when you can have a guy like him as your third guy, that's pretty good. And and one of our favorites is, you know, Seth Curry. Yeah. You know, one of those guys that, that just kept getting better. Yep. It, just in a perfect spot, you know, and and that's the, the old deal. It's, it's like, well, you know, when a guy shows you something, maybe you just kind of hang with him a little while longer. And, and I mean, I think Dallas has missed him. No question. Uh, the Kings certainly could have used him. I mean, uh, uh, Portland, I mean, he was pretty good everywhere he was, and now he's in kind of the perfect spot. And I think I think with Embiid and Simmons, boy, oh, he, boy. he just kind of fills in the gaps. Well, I agree with you about Dallas. I, I don't. Dallas did not get better with Seth Curry leaving the team. I thought he was responsible for a number of wins last season. I thought he was, you know, a guy that you could always count on. I, I was surprised by that. It just seems like every now and then there's one player, kind of like a Seth Curry, that wherever he goes, he makes the team better. But for whatever reason, he can't stay on with that team and goes to the next team and makes that team better. Then he goes to the next. It's always been mystifying to me. I don't quite understand that I know we have a salary cap and I get the money but still I don't know why you wouldn't want to have Seth Curry on your team I don't either I mean it's kind of like a Jay Crowder I've always said yep. wherever he goes yep. he, he really makes them better and and you know you just continue to see it but I, I always say that's kind of my the old rule I've talked to you about the tire I always call it the Tyrone Corbin rule is 
Tyrone is really, really good. And he played on about nine or 10 teams <laughs> basically because he was really, really good. And right. they, people didn't get rid of him because they didn't, but they always thought they could get somebody better. Sure. I always remember Cotton Fitzsimmons said about Tyrone said, yeah, we, we had felt like we had to move on from Tyrone. We needed somebody better. And then three or four years later, we, we tried to get him back because we knew we couldn't get anybody better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Boy, I'll tell you, you know, the late Cotton Fitzsimmons, spending a half hour and talking with him, boy, that was always, that was always, and I know you work with him and you were with him on a daily basis for a while, but boy, how entertaining was he? Well, he was the best. You know, he was just great. I mean, really, uh, I always thought, put things in simple terms about players and and what to expect, you know, a little bit like Coach Carell, you yep. know, would kind of get to the the meat of the argument quick without all the jibber jabber and and hyperbole bullshit that you hear sure. uh, most of the time on seems like so many broadcasts uh, just kind of talking around the cir- in circles. You forget what the hell they're talking about. You know, you a couple of years ago made the comment about getting rid of the corner three in the NBA game. And it's interesting when I bring that up to other uh, NBA people, they hadn't really thought of it, but they kind of say, yeah, you know what? I like that idea. I know that we keep on getting to a point where the game gets further and further away from the basket. I read a stat about a month ago that there were actually, you know, more baskets being scored from beyond the three point line than on the top of the basket, which is just absolutely mind boggling to me. And I really believe that the corner three is largely responsible for that. I mean, are, are, are the, can the game continue like this, Jerry? Can the game just be let's go down and fire threes and fire threes? Is it, will the NBA, do you think, have to make an adjustment at some point? Oh, I absolutely will. It, it's getting close to that point. And, and it really, the, I, I think it's getting rid of the corner three would would be the, would simplify it without any question. I was here reading some of these thoughts, you know, uh, from the league office, like limiting the number of threes you're allowed to take, oh, silly on. stuff like that. It's That's like, stupid. come on, uh, it's a game going on here. Right. But just eliminate the corner three for several reasons. It's a cheap shot. Yep. That's the main one. It shouldn't be worth three points. It's shorter. Why not have a 12-foot free throw? Same same logic. Yep. So get rid of that, and you'll get rid of 15% of the threes right off the bat. And maybe even more, and then, and then that also would would kind of take away some of the the spacing, which I think then would would get away from some of the, you know, where it's all guard and wing play. You know, we we you know I I love guard play, but but I also enjoy actual basketball where big men are allowed to play with post skills and things, and and I think uh, I think I think we're getting to that point. I really do. I, I think the the NBA will be forced to do something. And I, I certainly think that's one rule that would be just simplify it very quickly. And, you know, you basically wouldn't have to do much. Just take the archer right out to the, to the sidelines and, and that's it. Well, the important and then you might have some fast yeah. pass breaks again and post Boy, play as well. We'd have basketball, Jerry, you know, we'd have real, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what we have. And basketball. Having, I mean, having guards drive to, 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 to turn down layups so they can, Go out to the corners. <laughs> ought to tell you something. Yeah, it's crazy. Bad. Uh, I hate it. Uh, the most important question of this podcast is: How are the walks, Jerry? You still going out for a walk every day? 
Every day, every day, you know, occasionally I have to get on my treadmill with the yeah. bad weather and just watch, watch something. But, yeah, every day, you know, the the real question always is, you know, what am I going to listen to? You know, generally I listen to a little music, you know, yeah. where I need the Rolling Stones to get me going. Wow. Or, or maybe a little, you know, Bob Dylan if I'm in a little kind of a – The Rolling Stones and slow, Bob Dylan. Slow yeah. mood, yeah, or – or, you know, Bob Seeger. Yeah. Well, that's a favorite. You know, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of those. And, and if you're going with females, I, you know, Adele. I mean, I, I can do a little Adele now and then or Amy Weinstead. So, wow. How so about I've you? Got my, yeah. So, you know, I'm. You're very diverse, I Jerry. I like that. I, well, I'm, I'm diverse for. From fifty years old and on, you know, I mean, you know, the old saying is, if you, you know, the older you get, the better you get, unless you're a banana. And I'm not a damn banana, so I'm just going to go with that premise. Uh, Jerry, you can always listen to my podcast on your walks. You know, you can do that too. Well, you know, I, I, I probably should do that. I, I mean, I've got so when I when I list, I, I kind of like to just sit back and chill, and uh, but you know, that might that I might have to attempt that once here and get away from my music. Although, yeah. you know, I, I might get all fired up and, you know, and start jocking, Jerry, after be, you listen to my start, podcast, start talking to myself. And people <laughs> say, well, he finally, the old fool finally went nuts. Oh my gosh. How many miles uh, do you try to get in a day, Jerry? I usually just go by minutes. I, I try oh, okay. to walk an hour a day, you know, and I mean, I'm probably doing about three and a half miles. That's great. I, sometimes if, you know, I'm, I don't, I mean, basically, if I'm feeling good, I might go 75 minutes. And if I'm in a, you know, not in a good mood, I might just go 45. But it'll be, you know, it's just kind of a mood thing from 45 to 75. And and that's pretty much it. And you're enjoying retirement? I really am. You know, I'm really, uh, and you probably spotted this in me years ago, that I'm good at doing nothing. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I've trained myself well. And, uh, so, yeah. So, so the, the adjustment's easy. You know, I'm 77. I mean, if you can't retire at 77, when can you, right? Hey, Jerry, I mean, think about how damn good you look for 77. I mean, when you look in the mirror, don't you go, damn, I look good. I, I would think so if I hadn't been so pretty when I was like forty-seven. <laughs> oh my you gosh! Know, but when you when you when you're just a when you're just a pretty man, it it really gets depressing when you start wrinkling up, wrinkling up. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, the good news is that now that you are uh, fully retired, you don't have to buy any more of those high-priced suits. Hey, I, I, I'm starting to give some of them away. You know? I, I mean, because I, I know I'm not going to be. My plan is to never wear more than one or two of them ever again. So, <laughs> so hey, you know, and, yeah, I was going to say that's one thing. That's the one thing I don't miss. That you know, I, yeah, I hate it. Well, you know, wearing ties. I mean, it's just you know, having said that, it's it's a little bit. You know, I I really do enjoy seeing the coaches not have to wear suits and ties. That they really never did make much no, sense to me. Never understood that. I uh, agree with you. I mean, gosh, I just you know would sweat through suits and yep. ruin ruin clothes, and I couldn't really afford to do that uh, back in the day. Well, make sure you keep one of those suits because you know when when we uh, lay you to rest in about twenty or twenty five years, we want to make sure that you still have one suit left in your closet. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll keep some for for that very purpose, and, and like you say, I'm kind of kind of hoping it don't happen anytime soon no. here. But, uh, <laughs> no, but, we don't want that. But you know, I have to say though, I mean, you know, I always feel like talking to some of my friends, like Jeff Petrie and different people. Whatever, whatever happens, we we've kind of beat the system, so you know. 
kind of like to have three or four more years, just if nothing else, just to make Mrs. Reynolds a, a miserable on a daily basis. <laughs> I like to punish her a little bit. You know? Oh my gosh. Of course, uh, of course, actually uh, that's, that strategy's failed and she's kind of gets, uh, she kind of <laughs> does it to me first. Oh my gosh. That's, I guess that's the key to a, to a 53 year marriage is just, uh, wow. Just, just piss each other off on a periodic basis. <laughs> 53 years. And I celebrated, I think, uh, 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 gosh, I don't even know how many damn times we had to say happy anniversary to your wife while you and I were doing a game. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I know. Right. Yeah, we, oh. <laughs> well, uh, that, is one th- that is one of the few things I, I don't regret. I think, you know, marriage, as, as you know, I mean, it's been a great thing and wouldn't have it any other way. Well, Jerry. It's uh, just great catching up with you again as uh, we talk uh, some NBA basketball and life. And, uh, you know, good luck on your next walk. And I know the uh, weather forecast is supposed to cool down a little bit, but uh, don't let that stop you, Jer. Oh, no, no, no. I, I know how to, you know, wear a jacket and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so I'll get out there. And, and yeah, maybe I'll try to try to catch up on a podcast, a couple of your podcasts I'm behind on. But I, I really have enjoyed it. I mean, really, your rants are terrific. And, and boy, you've had some marvelous podcasts. I and Eagle and Mike Breen and Scott Pollard was a, a, a jolt, as always is. I mean, Mark Charles Barkley. I mean, I can just go on and on. But yeah, you you really got a good thing going. And the final thing, I, I told you, I, I was driving long after my wife and I got our second COVID shot and looked up there and 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 Doty said, "Was well, that Grant?" And there were there you were on the billboard. Yep. And I said, holy cow, cover your eyes. Don't look too close. <laughs> yeah, you know what's amazing about that is somebody put those up for me around Sacramento without me even knowing it. How nice is that? Is, isn't that nice? Yep. That, and they really are really sharp looking, you know, really talks about your podcast and everything. So uh, well done. Yep. No, well, qu- I, no kidding. I get it. So, well, I was grateful. And it was it basically made you look about 20 years younger, too, by the way. Well, you know, those the Photoshop and all of that, you know, that's all good, Jerry. You know, I'm trying to look like oh, you. Oh, it is all good. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> well, listen, again, thanks very much. I uh, greatly appreciate you coming on. My uh, best to, uh, to the missus and the family, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again in a couple months. Sounds good to me, and we still miss you up here. A lot. Hey, folks, this tournament season, take care of your hair and holes with the best tools for the job. We're talking about another sponsor. If you don't like that, it's Manscaped, the global leaders in male grooming from head to toe. Now, when the clock winds down in March, be clutch and avoid the upset with the Manscaped Performance Package to keep all your hair and holes tamed. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today with 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, for our exclusive offer. Now, the Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and number one overall seed this season. Included in this package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. The Amazing Bundle also includes or includes the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer. It's the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. And let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver. And get the Performance Package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Folks, Manscaped is also committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men age 13 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted 
by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Now, remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S. Thank you, Manscaped, for making our holes look sexy during the dance. Time now for our crowd ultra questions. If you have not signed up yet, please do. It's very simple. It takes about a minute. Just go to crowdultra.com. And maybe I will answer your question right here. Mr. Wolf wants to know, Grant, why on earth would the Pats re-sign Cam? You know, there's nothing I saw last year that would make me believe uh, that Cam is a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL anymore. Ian wants to know, what's the best aspect of your golf game? Probably my driver. I don't hit the ball that far, but generally speaking, I'm on the short grass. And to me, if you can end up on the short grass, you've got a chance to score uh, in this game. I love my uh, ping equipment and my ping driver. Uh, so I would have to say that. Tom wants to know who's my March Madness dark horse. It's not a dark horse, but I'm pulling for Alabama. I love what uh, Nate Oates did in Buffalo. I thought what he did uh, in that program was incredible. And I think what he's done at Alabama, uh, clearly uh, the coach of the year. Luke wants to know what do you think about defensive shifts in baseball? You know, there's not a lot I like about baseball right now, Luke. I'm really down on baseball. I don't like the way the game's played. Um, I, I don't like the direction it's going. I'm really sour on baseball right now. Nick wants to know, does, but to answer your question, I don't like it. Nick wants to know, does Embiid's injury end the Sixers' possibility of a title? Nick, do you know something that I don't? Okay. He's only out for a few weeks, right, Nick? Okay. So the answer to the question would be, no. Corey wants to know, where does Breeze rank in all-time great quarterbacks? Well, stay tuned for my rant, Corey, and I'll give you a little information on that. Lucas wants to know, do you think Steve Nash is turning out to be a good coach? I think that just about anybody could coach a team laden with talent as long as their egos are in check. But, yeah, I think he is doing a very good job so far, yes. But you and I both know, Lucas, he will be judged based on what happens in the postseason. Peter wants to know, Grant, what's your current relationship with Doug Christie? If it's fractured, do you think there's any chance of repairing it? I have not talked to Doug since early June, and that would be up to him. Uh, Sam wants to know, is Jeremy Grant worth the multiple first-round picks the Celtics have offered? That's just a rumor. I don't believe it. I'll wait until I see it. Uh, Multiple first-round picks? No. Chase wants to know, will all leagues be back to normal schedule next year? Yeah. I don't see why they're winning unless there's another pandemic on the horizon that we can't forecast. But I would think normal schedules, I would think so. Yes. Ian says, are the Islanders the best team in the NHL right now? They're one of the best teams. I mean, I look at Tampa. I look at Carolina. uh, I look at Vegas. I look at, uh, you know, again, they're, they're, they're one of the best teams. And again, right now it doesn't really matter. All you got to do is make the playoffs in the NHL. It really doesn't matter if you're the number one seed or the eighth seed. We've seen that uh, year in, year out in the National Hockey League. Martin wants to know, are the Heat a good fit for LaMarcus Aldridge? I think LaMarcus Aldridge would be a good fit for the short term. I heard a lot of bad things about him with San Antonio. And uh, just, I wasn't, I didn't like what I heard 
But on a short-term basis, yes, I think he could. Uh, Rich says, isn't it amazing Karis LeVert is playing 45 days after cancer surgery? I'm really happy for him. I think everyone is. I don't know the details of the type of surgery and recovery, so I can't say that you know, he's ahead of schedule, behind schedule, that it's atypical. I don't know enough about what he underwent, but I think we're all happy to see him back. Trevor wants to know who will have a better season, the A's or the Giants? That's a fabulous question. I'm going to go with the A's, but by a whisker. I've, I love what Bob Melvin has done with the A's. doesn't matter. Or it shouldn't say it doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter who they lose in the offseason. They just pick up and carry on. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take uh, the A's there. Adam wants to know, uh, are Gonzaga tournament favorites in your mind? Yeah, I think they are. I think they should be. Absolutely. Does that mean they're going to win? Well, of course not. Um, You know, there's a lot of things that have to go right to get those six victories and uh, win it all. Hey, thank you very much for my Crowd Ultra questions. Again, just go to CrowdUltra.com, sign up, and ask me a question. It's time for Rant. Today's rant's brought to you by New Works Plumbing, locally owned in Sacramento for 20 years. Leak detection, water line repair, bathroom plumbing. New Works Plumbing is a full-service plumbing solution. No matter how small or how large your plumbing problem, they've got a fix for you. Their expert technicians are available 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs. Just go to newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. All right, so Drew Brees has announced his retirement, and that starts the debate, is he one of the best quarterbacks of all time? Not my book, he's not. Is he a Hall of Famer? Well, clearly, he's a Hall of Famer. But I can't put a guy that's 9-9 nine and nine in the postseason and only two wins in the playoffs in his entire career away from the Dome as one of the top quarterbacks of all time. Not in my book. Can't do it. I mean, first of all, perfect weather conditions, great home field advantage playing inside the Dome, But outside of the Dome in the postseason, uh, certainly not very good, not very effective. So is he he a Hall of Famer? Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Top 10? No, absolutely not. He's not on my top 10 list of all time. I mean, top 10 list of all time. You got to be damn good at home. You got to be damn good on the road. I mean, you can't have that type of disparity, in my opinion. Now, is it his fault that he played indoors for most of his career? No, no, it's not. I mean, did it benefit him? Well, clearly it benefited him. But his road record in the postseason keeps him out of my top 10 list of all time. Excellent quarterback. Yep. Is he as great as a lot of people put him when they talk about best of all time? Again, not my book. He's not. Absolutely not. And I would love to know where you come down on this. Hit me up. You can ask me. uh, You can let me know via Crowd Ultra. Or you can just go on my Twitter page at Grant Napier Show. But no way Drew Brees is a top 10 quarterback of all time, in my opinion. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today on If You Don't Like That. Uh, my thanks always to Jerry Reynolds. Be sure and check out my video rants over on YouTube. Again, the channel is If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier. Always great to have you aboard. Appreciate your support. And if you were listening via Apple Podcast, it would mean a lot to me if you would rate the podcast and leave a short comment. Thank you very much. Again, your support is greatly appreciated. And as always, thank you so much for checking us out. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier. 